Oh, kids, that was so good. You did such a good job. Everybody sit down. Oh, this is, that was fantastic singing. Best singing I maybe I've ever heard here before. It's really, really good. Some of you up front, the way that you would sing, even with your mouth closed, is beautiful. I love, it's fantastic. I can't do that. And also, I just want to tell you, I've been just telling all my other pastor buddies that this group of kids is the best looking group of kids in any church. I mean, just fantastic. All of you look so good. I'm so glad that you're here today. Is everybody excited for tomorrow? You guys know what tomorrow's going to be? Christmas. Oh, what are you? I, I bet you're going to do something fun. Any, are, is anybody going to do anything fun tomorrow? Is anybody going to clean out the garage? Yeah, good. Very good. Anybody, anybody going to pull any weeds? And, and What are you guys going to do? What, what are you going to do? To, what? You're going to have fun. Very good. Well, this is what we do in my house every single year on Christmas. The first thing we do, as soon as we wake up, we read this story, the same story that I'm going to read to you. We're going to be reading this tomorrow at my house. It's how we start off every Christmas. It's kind of one of our traditions. And so I want to read it to you now. There's going to be some pictures up here behind me. Uh, Let's listen in. This is what it says. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Does anybody know who that baby was? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. That's what's going on. And this is what happens. Not too far away, it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in their field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, for great, good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard about it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it has been told them. This is the story that we're here for today. And so in just a minute, I'm going to ask you guys to walk down, back down here. Ms. Jen will lead you out of here. And we're going to hear a sermon about this same story. All right? So I'm going to pray for you as you get ready to walk down. Thank you so much for being here. Lord God, we thank you for this day. And we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this place like we do every Sunday to hear the good news of great joy that is for all people. Lord God, we are so thankful for these kids and the way that they got up today and they sang in front of the whole church and the great job that they did listening to that story. Lord, help us to glorify you today and every day. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Mike Lee, and I get to be the pastor here at Mission Valley Church. I want to welcome you to to, to, to church today, and I want to say Merry Christmas to you. Merry, Merry, thank you. 
This morning I said Merry Christmas to somebody. I just walked up to them and I said, Merry Christmas. And they said, you too. And I was like, okay. I just thought that was an interesting response. So I was glad a couple of you said Merry Christmas back to me. Uh, if you're new here today, I'm sure glad that you're here. And if I've never met you, I would love to do that. And so there's a couple of ways that you and I can meet each other. Uh, the first is this. After the service, we have a hot chocolate bar. I'm going to be standing out there. I'd love to, to shake your hand, fist bump, whatever you're into. I, I can meet you out there. Another way that we can connect, if you'll fill out one of those connect cards. Uh, we talked about it at the beginning of service. We'll talk about it at the, again at the end of the service. If you'll fill that out and leave it for us at the info table, then at some point this week, uh, I'll reach out to you. And then the third way that we can connect is if you want, you can send me a text, 602-763-3331. I give that out every week, so if you didn't get it, just stop by the info table. They'll be happy to give it to you. If you need anything, if you'd like somebody to pray with you, uh, if you'd like somebody to talk to, if you'd like to just, I don't know, talk about the scripture or what do you think is going to happen in the next Cardinals game, reach out to me. I'd love to uh, connect with you. Um, Anyways, we are... So excited that is uh, today we're here to gather up for our Christmas Eve service, and we're really, really excited that it's family-style service. Uh, all we really wanted to do with the kids up here on stage was get you a good picture that you could use for next year's Christmas card, and we've already done that. So whatever the kids do from here on out, it's all just extra good. So it's just like the icing on top of the cake. If they make it through the service and nobody gets hurt and nobody cries, that's just a bonus. But whatever the kids do, don't worry about them. If they get wiggly, if they get jiggly, it's totally good. This is exactly where we would want the kids to be today as we make much of Jesus. So I love that story that we just read. And I really do mean what I said, that we start every Christmas the same way in my family. We wake up in the morning and we read that story. Now, we don't have little kids anymore, so tomorrow we'll roll out of bed at around the crack at 1030. Um, and then uh, we'll read that story together and then we'll, we'll tear into the presents just like you will at your house. It's a wonderful story and there are so many different aspects of this story that we could focus in on. Really, there are so many different people in this story that we could focus in on. I bet we could preach a sermon about all the different people that we see in the story. For example, we could focus in on Mary and Joseph, just two regular imperfect people who God has called to do something extraordinary and become the earthly parents of Jesus. If we wanted to, we could focus in on the shepherds, just regular men who are out doing a regular job when when they're approached by angels and called to witness Jesus and left telling everyone about him. If we wanted to, we could, we could just focus in on the angels and how one appeared at first and then a multitude appeared singing praises to Jesus, really giving us the blueprint for what we're supposed to do when we encounter Jesus. I guess if we wanted to, we could even focus in on who's not in this story. For example, we could, we could focus in on the, the innkeeper who appears in Christmas pageants saying there's no room for Jesus but never actually shows up in the scriptures and yet personifies how so many people refuse to make room for Jesus in their lives. Or if we wanted to, we could focus in on the wise men who won't actually appear on that first night, but will probably come months later before they will come and eventually worship and bring gifts to Jesus. If we want to, we could continue to focus on those people not there, like the little drummer boy, who maybe only exists in this pastor's favorite Christmas song. I mean, maybe he wasn't really there at all, and that's why he's not recorded in any of these Gospels, but we could focus in on him because he's a good reminder of the importance of worshiping Jesus and the importance of drummers in general. Right, Michael? Yeah, very good. Yeah, drummers. We could certainly focus in on so many people in this story, but we're going to focus in on the most 
important person in this story. We're going to focus in on the most important person in any story. He is the person we focus in on every single time we gather, every single Sunday, every single Wednesday, every single time we gather as a group of people. This is the one we focus on. He's the person we focus on, the one that that we gather for. He is the one we praise. We're going to focus in on Jesus. We're going to focus in on the baby in the manger who grew up to be a man, and not just a man, but a perfect man who would live the perfect life that you and I never could. The perfect man that would die the horrific death that you and I deserve. The perfect man that would defeat that death so that everyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. We are going to focus on Jesus and specifically the light he brought into the world. Throughout our Christmas series at Mission Valley this year, we have focused in on the light of Jesus. That's why we called our sermon series The Light of Jesus. And we've started each week of this series lighting a different candle in anticipation of today. In that first week, we lit a candle to remind us that we need the light of Jesus. That because of the sin in our life, we are, in fact, people desperate for the light of Jesus. We are not a people that could benefit from the light of Jesus or could use a little bit of light if we could get it. We are people who are desperately in need of the light of Jesus. In the second week of the service, we lit a candle to remind us that sometimes Jesus will call us to do things that we are not sure we're qualified to do. That like Mary and Joseph, who don't have an entire roadmap of everything that's going to happen for the rest of their lives, they can simply move with and towards the light of Jesus. In, in our third week of this series, we lit a candle to remind us that the light of Jesus brings joy. That sometimes in spite of our circumstances, when happiness can elude us, we can be a people who cling to joy. That we don't have to be a people that rely on the happenings in our life to, to make us happy. We can be a people who see joy even in hard things. And last week we lit a candle that reminds us that the light of Jesus brings peace. That for people who were literally at war with God, people who were at enmity with God, Jesus has come and brought peace. And today we get to light the candle commonly referred to as the Christ candle. It's the candle that in uh, our series is, is central to everything that we're doing. It's, it's why it's at the center of this display. It's why it's so important to us. It is the Christ candle because the truth is Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light that overcomes the darkness. He is the one that overcomes all the darkness. And Jesus is the light that will never himself be overcome by darkness. That though it feels at times in our life that the, the darkness is closing in on us, we can know that we serve and are saved by a king who will never be overcome by the darkness of this world. Jesus is the light that shines in and through all who believe in him. He is that. He is the light of all things. He is the light that I want us to focus in on today. And so that's why our big idea for this morning is simply this. The light of Jesus has come. The light of Jesus has come. And for that reason, we gather from this very familiar story that we just read to our kids today, we're going to make five points. If you care to take notes, you can do that. It'll be up on the screen behind me. The first one is this. The light of Jesus has come and transforms us. When the light of Jesus comes into our lives, it transforms us. It changes us. It shapes us. It molds us. Look what happens to these two young people. Those, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
This is what happens. These are just two regular people. And I want us to stop and think about the fact that when Jesus comes into their life, it completely transforms what they thought would happen. This is probably nowhere in their plan where they thought this is what we'll probably do. We will probably get pregnant with God's son and then raise him. They, they probably had other plans in mind. They are betrothed. They are to be married. Right now, my own son is, is, is with his fiance. He's planning a wedding. They're planning a wedding. They're going to be married in June. Uh, I know that right here next week, Penny and I just finished doing premarital counseling with a couple that's going to get married next week right here. They've, they've got plans to get married. Uh, just a week after that, another couple in this church is going to get married. There's all these weddings happening. It's wedding season. And I try to think about if any of these brides who have planned their wedding and thought about their wedding day and thought about all the things that would happen if God were to just come with and say, hey, forget all that. Scratch all those plans. Just go ahead and have birth. Just have my son. Just, we'll just, just throw your plans out the window and do something totally different. That's what's happening to Mary and Joseph. Everything about their life is getting flipped upside down. It, it's totally different. It's totally changed. Right? They're not just moving to Bel Air. They're, they're walking to Bethlehem. It's flipped upside down. It's crazy. This is their new life now. You're going to be mom and dad to Jesus. You're going to raise him up. You're going you're to guide him and, and, and keep him safe. This is God's own son. Their whole life is, is changed. It's being transformed. It's, it's being radically changed by the presence of of Jesus. They probably had all kinds of other plans. I don't know what they were planning. Maybe they thought they would tour Europe for a couple of years before they started having kids. Maybe they wanted to like buy a house first. I don't know what their plan was. It doesn't really matter because God has come and has transformed their plan. And when Jesus comes into our life, he literally does the same thing. He radically transforms us. He changes us. He molds us. He shapes us into his image. When we believe in Jesus, when we believe in his life, death, and resurrection, and we become Christians, things that used to matter to us just don't seem to matter as much anymore. And those things in our life that, that, that didn't matter to us now take on a great importance to us. It's important to know that Jesus saves us exactly where we're at, but he doesn't leave us there. He begins this process where he works in us and he changes us and he molds us into his image. He's transforming us. When the light comes, it transforms. The Bible says that he who begins a good work in us will bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. That's God working in your life, changing you, shaping you, molding you, making you into who he wants you to be. One of the most amazing privileges of being a pastor is getting a front row seat to Jesus changing and shaping and transforming lives. To be able to watch what happens when people grow in their relationship with Jesus and start repenting of sin quickly. Walk away from it, turn from it. People loving others better. People serving others stronger. People serving Jesus well. See, if Jesus just came to save us, that would be good reason to sing because we need saving. But Jesus is doing more than just saving us. He's transforming us. Church, Jesus has come and allow yourself to be transformed by him. Second thing I want you to know this morning is this. The light of Jesus has come for all people. Jesus has come for all the people. This is what the scripture says. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord showed around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It's for all the people. Nobody will be excluded by this. This is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Here's something that happened this morning. This morning, we, some of us got to church here this morning nice and early to get ready for that 9 o'clock service. We get here, and there are two people that are sleeping on the porch of the chapel. Two people that don't have a house. 
They didn't know where to go last night because it was cold and wet. And so they went to the place that makes a lot of sense to go to. They went to the closest church they could find and they found shelter underneath our patio. And we did exactly what you would expect us to do as Christians. We walked over and we gave them something to eat. And we invited them to come to church this morning. And they said, we don't know if we could come in. We don't feel very comfortable with that. And I said, I want you to know that you're always welcome here. Because this is good news of great joy for all the people. We'll never be a people that just turn others away because this is for all the people. Church, this Sunday and every Sunday we celebrate the good news of great joy that is for all the people. This is for everyone. Somebody asked me this morning, why did we have two services? Why did we have a, a 9 o'clock and a 10.30? Could, isn't this room big enough we could have just kind of crammed everybody in? And the truth is we wanted to make room for more friends. It's our desire to, to see so many people come and hear the good news of great joy that is for all the people. So we want plenty of room for you to invite your friends and family, and I'm so glad that you've brought them with you. Christianity and the Jesus who Christians are saved by came for everyone who would believe. If you can believe in Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection, you can be saved from death to life. Jesus is not concerned with your race or your socioeconomic status or your country of origin or your past sin or where you sleep at night. Jesus has come to save everyone who can believe in him. Of course, some just won't believe. Some just won't believe. But for everyone who does, this is good news of great joy for all the people. And sometimes Christianity gets a bad rap in the world for being exclusive. People say Christianity is very exclusive. It's, it's not very inclusive of, of people. It's very, very exclusive kind of a thing. And while it is absolutely true that you have to repent of your sins and believe in Jesus to be saved, you can confidently tell everybody about Jesus, believing that he can save anybody. Church, Jesus has come for all the people. Third thing I want you to know this morning is this. The light of Jesus has come and so you can rejoice. It's what we do when something good happens. We rejoice. We celebrate. We, we sing praises. This is what it says in Luke chapter 2. It says, for unto you in, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I want us to just imagine this. this is going to be one of the most amazing moments in the history of the world. There's like one angel telling the shepherds what happened, and then all of a sudden there's a multitude of the heavenly hosts. There's just, just like a countless number of the heavenly hosts, all these angels, and they're singing. They're rejoicing because something fantastic has happened. There's something to rejoice for now. I want you to think about this. Oftentimes we rejoice when something comes to us that we did not previously have. Like if you've been without something for a period of time and then you get it, you rejoice over it. For example, right now, it's like cold and flu season, right? Cold and flu, and now that we've added COVID season, there's all these things going around, and you might wake up one day, and you just can't breathe through your nose. You know that feeling where you're like, I just want to be able to breathe through my nose. I can't breathe. I sure hope I can breathe again. And then one day when you wake up and you can breathe through your nose, you just take a, oh my gosh, I can breathe through my nose. It's fantastic. And you rejoice over it. You get excited. Like, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Or maybe you get that gift that you've really been wanting. Maybe you get that gift that you've really been wanting, like when I was nine years old and I got that stealth bomber, the G.I. Joe stealth bomber. It was so cool. I really rejoiced over that. I think the kids are going to rejoice tomorrow. Sometimes when you get this good gift, something amazing happens to you and you rejoice over it. That's what's happened here. Because the angel says that peace has come. 
Peace has come. People were at war with God. We're literally at war with God, and now peace has come, and so they're rejoicing over that. They're rejoicing because now the Savior is here. The long-awaited King of Kings has come to set the captives of sin and death free forever, and so we rejoice. We rejoice. We're excited. We sing, and we're glad, and we're merry because we've been set free from sin and death. One of my favorite Christmas movies. They don't at me on this. You can text me if you want, but just don't, don't get upset with me. But one of my favorite Christmas movies is A Christmas Carol, and not just any Christmas. It's a Mickey's Christmas Carol. This is a good movie. This is a good movie. It's got strong acting in it. It's a very, very good movie. It's, got, it's very, very good. It's a very good movie. Strong animation, strong acting. It's very good. Just the right amount of time for little kids. Good movie. Watch it today. We're going to be watching it today at our house. Penny and the girls are going to be making cookies. I'm going to be eating those cookies as they come out of the oven once they've cooled down to an appropriate temperature. But while we're doing that, I'm going to be watching this movie. I love this movie. Uh, Courtney was telling me the other day that we can't watch it much before now because this is like this is like the pinnacle of Christmas movies. It's like right at the top. You don't want to watch this in the early days of Christmas. You watch this like right on Christmas Eve. And so that's what we're going to be doing. And one of the most memorable characters in this movie is Jacob Marley, played by the amazing actor Goofy. I don't personally think Goofy gets enough credit in the world for what an amazing actor he is. He does some really good stuff. I mean, the man can water ski. The man can play a serious role like this. He, the man, the, the dog, what, I mean, whatever he is, you know what I'm saying? He, he does a good job is what I'm saying, and he never got an Oscar, and I, I think it's a shame, but whatever. This Goofy, he's playing this actor, and he plays the actor Jacob Marley. Jacob Marley is, is walking around with these chains on him. It's all these, these bad things that he's done, all these, these ways that he's treated people and, 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 and all these bad things that happen in his life and these bad things that he's done. And before Jesus, that's us. We're walking around like people that have all this sin and all these problems and all these things that we've done. And, and like so many links in a chain, that's us walking around. Every time we sin, every time we do what we want instead of what God wants, every time we don't do those things that God wants, every way that we treat people wrongly, the, the, the bad thoughts that we have, the bad actions that we have, all of them are like sins and links on a chain, and we're just dragging them around with us. Just, just dragging them around with us, and then one day Jesus comes and saves us and sets us free from all of that. One day God decides that he's going to love us and saves us. And Jesus came and he takes all of that away. He takes away all of our chains, all of our shame, and all of our sins. And the only thing that makes sense to do when that happens is to rejoice. To say, oh, thank you, God, for saving a sinner like me. I don't deserve it. I could have never earned it, but you did it anyway. Thank you so much. To just rejoice, to lift up our hands and sing, to get down on our face and pray and say, thank you, God, for saving someone like me to join the multitude of angels and proclaim how good it is for us and everyone else that Jesus has come. Church, Jesus has come, so rejoice. The fourth thing I want to leave you with today is this. The light of Jesus has come, so draw near to Jesus. The light of Jesus has come, so draw near to him. You don't have to be at a distance anymore. This is what it says in verse 15 and 16. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I think we learned so much about this story, about by, by what's not in there. Notice that they don't say, hey, we should probably make plans to eventually get over and see that baby. 
They don't say, hey, we should maybe watch, have, find somebody to watch the sheep so that we can get over there and watch the baby. They don't say, hey, maybe what we should do is get on open table, see if there's a restaurant close by where we could have dinner and then like afterwards go over and check out that baby. No, they run with haste to get to where Jesus is. They draw close to him. They get up really, really close. If you've ever been at a live nativity scene, you know, one of those things where you, where, you, where you see people dressed up and there's a baby there, right? Little kids know what to do when, you, when Jesus is around. You get close. Several years ago, our son was a baby, and Penny and I got to play Mary and Joseph. I think I did a fantastic job of playing Joseph. I brought a lot to the role. I, I was a man that looked like I didn't really know what was going on, and I, I crushed that. And, and, and Penny's holding the baby, and the baby's doing exactly what the baby's supposed to be doing. He's crying. He's crying. And all these little kids came in close. They get up so close that they could sneeze and cough all over our baby, right? Because that's what you're supposed to do when you get, when you, when Jesus is there, you draw close to him. Get right up close so you can see him. Take a little kid to any nativity scene and they get up close to Jesus because that's what we're supposed to do. You see, you and I can draw close to Jesus. Before Jesus came, we were separated from God. Our God, our, our sin kept us away from him. But now that Jesus has come, we can draw close. As Christians, we often proclaim the goodness of the fact that we get to spend eternity in heaven with God where he will be our God and we will be his people forever. And that is amazing, but just as amazing, we can draw near to him now. You can draw close to the creator of the universe. You can stop at any time and pray to him. You can stop at any time and read his word. You can, like shepherds leaving their sheep in the field, run with haste to Jesus. You can move close to him, and the Bible tells us that when we draw close to him, he will draw close to us. You can draw close to Jesus. You know, this time of year has a way of reminding us of people who we can no longer draw close to. This time of year just has a way of reminding us of the people in our lives that are no longer with us that we can no longer draw close to. I don't think I'll ever put up a Christmas tree or hang an ornament without thinking about my grandma Mary. She was a wonderful woman and she loved Christmas and bought me so many ornaments. I don't think we'll ever stuff our stockings and, 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 or have our stockings stuffed and not think about the fact that my grandma made these stockings for us. I'm just reminded of her. I don't think a Christmas will go by that. I don't think about my mom and the fact that she's celebrating this morning the way that she celebrates every day in heaven with Jesus. I think this, this season has just a way of reminding us there are some people in our lives that just are no longer here, but it will never, ever be like that with Jesus. We can always draw close to him. He will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Romans 8 is full of promises, not the least of which is when he says that nothing, and I mean nothing, could ever separate us from the love of Jesus. You will always be able to draw near to him. So draw near knowing that he came not only to save you for eternity, but to save you into a right relationship with him now. Church, Jesus has come, so draw near. Draw near, move with haste. But finally this morning, I want you to know this. The light of Jesus has come, so tell everyone. The light of Jesus has come, so we, we tell everyone. We leave a place like this and we tell everyone. We do like the shepherds did. This is what it says. It says, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds told them. The shepherds, having encountered Jesus, having drawn near to him, having worshipped him, leave telling everyone about him, and in so doing, set the stage for what Christians will be doing until Jesus calls us home. Church, I want you to know what they, notice what they do. They go, they're shepherds, and they go and they see the baby, and they leave the baby, and as they leave, they just start telling everybody about him. 
They don't wait and, and wait and see if somebody would ask them, like, hey, what have you guys been up to? Why would you leave the sheep? No, they, like, leave the baby, and they leave, and they're like, hey, over there, there was a baby. You know what happened? We saw an angel, and the angel came and told us about Jesus. We went over and saw him. He's really real. He's the Savior. He's here. You should know about this. They go out of their way to find people and tell them about Jesus, and it says the people are amazed. They don't try to go figure it out, like, well, I don't know, maybe I can work it into some conversation. Maybe I could set up like a lunch date later on down the road. Maybe if I like hang out with these people for a couple of months and build up a really good relationship, I'll be able to eventually tell them about Jesus. No, they leave telling people about this miracle. They leave and do this with haste. And this is what Christians are going to be doing from now until Jesus calls us home. Because after Jesus resurrected from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, he gave his followers the most straightforward mission ever. Jesus said, go out into all the world. Go out. He said, leave this place and go out into all the world and teach them about me. And when they believe, baptize them and then disciple them to follow me. Church, when we draw near to Jesus, when we draw close to Jesus, when we encounter him, when Jesus saves us from death to life, when Jesus transforms all aspects of our life, we have to tell everyone about him. We just have to tell people. We have to tell everybody. We have to walk up to people and say, hey, are you a Christian? Can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you how he saved me? Hey, did you go to church this morning? I went and I was reminded of what Jesus did for me. Can I tell you about it? Here's what I think will happen in the next 48 hours. Most of us will spend time with people in the next 48 hours that do not know Jesus. I'd be willing to bet that most of us in the next 48 hours will encounter people in our life, maybe at family parties, maybe at, at, at family gatherings, There's people that are around us that are celebrating Christmas that do not have the light of Jesus, and we are the ones that should tell them. We are the ones that should tell our friends and family, hey, I know we're here today to have a good time and open presents and all that, but can I tell you about Jesus? Can I tell you how he saved me? Can I tell you how I became a Christian? Can I tell you what I heard in church this morning about this baby that grew into this man? Can I tell you about Jesus? People, there are, there are people walking all around the world, and we certainly can't talk to all of them, but there are people that God has placed in our lives, and if we don't tell them who is supposed to, if we don't tell them what Jesus did for us, who are we hoping will? The light of Jesus has come, so tell everyone. So the question that I have for you this morning is simply this. Do you have the light of Jesus? Do you have it? Do you have this light of Jesus? Jesus has come. This is what I know to be true. I don't hope this is true. I know this to be true. Everything that we've talked about this morning really happened. Jesus really did come as a baby. After an angel came to Mary and an angel came to Joseph and told him exactly how it would happen, it actually happened. All of this really happened. Hey, is that, is that like a Bible story? Is that a real story? It is a real Bible story. This really happened. Jesus really did all of this stuff. It happened. And my question is this morning, can you believe it? Did you walk in here with the light of Jesus? And if the answer is no, I want you to walk out with it. I want you to become a Christian today. I want it so bad that if I could make you believe, I would. If I had a way that I could make you believe, I would do it. If the person that brought you could make you believe, they would do it. But we simply invite you to believe. And what is it that you'd have to believe? Well, you'd have to believe the gospel. You'd have to believe that this story that starts here in the manger doesn't end here in the manger. That it ends with an empty tomb. You'd have to believe that God made the world and it was beautiful and it worked exactly like it was supposed to. But then man sinned and we broke it. We broke the world. 
And we see evidence of the brokenness of this world all around us. We see people that don't have anywhere to sleep at night. We see people that have diseases. We have, see people that are, that are struggling financially. We see people that are in all sorts of pain. We see people that are struggling emotionally, spiritually, physically, all kinds of struggles. We see all kinds of brokenness in the world. And we know that the worst part of the brokenness of this world is not the things that we see, but that the separation that happens between God and man. You see, God is so perfect and so beautiful that he can't be around sin. And so when we sin, we are separated from him. We are at enmity with him. There's a space between us, a chasm between us, but God had so much compassion for us that he wouldn't leave us in that separated state. And so he sent Jesus down here as a baby. And that baby grew into a man and he lived the perfect life, never once having sinned. And he died a horrific death, beaten, tortured, and hung on a cross, placed in a tomb, and then he defeated that death, walking right out of the grave so that anyone who would believe in him could spend eternity with him. Can you believe that this morning? If you've never believed that, I invite you to believe it today. But maybe you walked in here and you say, I I am a Christian. I've been a Christian for a long time, but I don't feel the light of Jesus this season either. Maybe you walked in here and you're like, you know what? Life has not been good to me this year. Nothing went according to plan for me this year. The things that I thought would happen didn't happen. The the things I didn't want to happen, it happened. The thing that that I prayed most for, I didn't get. And the thing I prayed most against, I totally got. And so I don't feel close to Jesus. I don't feel that light. Maybe that's you this season. And if that's you, I want to remind you I want to remind you that God loved you so much that he sent Jesus down here. And even though life isn't going the way you'd want it to go right now, he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And so if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, but you are not feeling the light, I want to invite you to do what Mary and the shepherds did in our story. It says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Maybe you're in a time of pondering. And if that's you, I want to invite you to keep coming here where people will love you and care for you as you're trying to work it out with God. I want to invite you to praise him. It says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Maybe today is the day that you sing songs to Jesus, even though you don't feel like singing. Maybe today's the day you sing songs to Jesus, even though it hurts, because you remember that the light of Jesus has come. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather as your church. We thank you that you sent Jesus down here to save us. God, if there's anybody in this room today that is not a Christian, that has not believed in you, I ask you to do what only you can do. I ask you to give them faith to believe. I ask you to save them. And God, if there is anybody in this room today that is a Christian that is not feeling or experiencing your light this season, God, help them to draw close to you. Help them to know that as they draw close to you, you'll draw close to them. Help them to remember your promises from Scripture that say that nothing could ever separate you from them. God, help us to treasure you in our hearts and praise you with our mouths. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.